Chapter Eighteen of A Guest at the Ludlow by Bill Nye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eighteen: Grains of Truth. A young friend has written to me as follows: Could you tell me something of the location of the porcelain works in Sevres, France, and what the process is of making these beautiful things which come from there? how is the name of the town pronounced can you tell me anything of the history of madame pompadour who was the dauphine did you learn anything of louis the fifteenth whilst in france what are your literary habits it is with a great bounding joy that i impart the desired information sevres is a small village just outside of st cloud pronounced saint cloud it is given up to the manufacture of porcelain you go to saint cloud by rail or river and then drive over to sevres by diligence or voiture some go one way and some go the other i rode up on the seine aboard of a little noiseless low-pressure steamer about the size of a sewing machine it was called the silvou play i think the fare was thirty centimes or say three cents after paying my fare and finding that i still had money left i lunched at saint cloud in the open air at a trifling expense i then took a bottle of milk from my pocket and quenched my thirst travelling through france one finds that the water is especially bad tasting of the dauphine at times and dangerous in the extreme i advise those therefore who wish to be well whilst doing the continent to carry especially in france as i did a large thick-set bottle of milk or cumis with which to take the wire edge off of one's whistle whilst being yanked through the louvre st cloud is seven miles west of the centre of paris and almost ten miles by rail on the road to versailles pronounced versailles saint cloud belongs to the canton of sevres and the arrondissement of versailles an arrondissement is not anything reprehensible it is all right you yourself could belong to an arrondissement if you lived in france saint cloud is on the beautiful hill slope looking down the valley of the seine with paris in the distance it is peaceful and quiet and beautiful everything is peaceful in paris when there is no revolution on the carpet the steam cars run safely and do not make so much noise as ours do the steam whistle does not have such a hold on people as it does here the adjutant-general at the depot blows a tiny tin bugle the admiral of the train returns the salute the adjutant-general says allons and the train starts off like a somewhat leisurely young man who is going to the depot to meet his wife's mother one does not realize what a fourth of july racket we live in and employ in our business until he has been the guest of a monarchy of europe between whose toes the timothy and clover have sprung up to a great height and yet it is a pleasing change and i shall be glad when we as a republic have passed the blow-hard period laid aside the ear-splitting steam whistle settled down to good permanent institutions and taken on the restful soothful boston air comes with time and the quiet self-congratulation that one is born in a bible land and with gospel privileges and where the right to worship in a strictly high church manner is open to all the palace of saint cloud was once the residence of napoleon i in summer-time he used to go out there for the heated term and folding his arms across his stomach have thought after thought regarding the future of france 
yet he very likely never had an idea that some day it would be a thrifty republic engaged in growing green peas or pulling a soiled dove out of the sand now and then to add to the attractions of her justly celebrated morgue louis the eighteenth also put up at the palace in st cloud several summers he spelled it palais which shows that he had very poor early english advantages or that he was as i have always suspected a native of quebec charles the tenth also changed the bedding somewhat and moved in during his reign he also added a new iron sink and a place in the barn for washing buggies louis felipe spent his summers here for a number of years and wrote weekly letters to the paris newspapers signed uno in which he urged the taxpayers to show more veneration for their royal nibs napoleon the third occupied the palais in summer during his lifetime availing himself finally of the use of mr bright's justly celebrated disease and dying at the dawn of better institutions for beautiful but unhappy france i visited the palais pronounced palais which was burned by the prussians in eighteen seventy the grounds occupy nine hundred sixty acres which i offered to buy and fit up but probably i did not deal with respectable parties this part of france reminds me very much of north carolina i mean of course the natural features man has done more for france it seems to me than for the tar heel state and the cities of asheville and paris are widely different the police of paris rarely get together in front of the courthouse to pitch horseshoes or dwell on the outlook for the goober crop and yet the same blue ozonic sky if i may be allowed to coin a word the same soft restful dolce frumente air of gentle genial health and of cart destroying magnetic balm to the congested soul the inflamed nerve and the festering brain are present in asheville that one finds in the quiet drives of st cloud with the successful squirt of the mighty fountains of versailles and the dark and whispering forests of fontainebleau the palais at st cloud presents a rather dejected appearance since it was burned and the scorched walls are bare save where here and there a warped and wilted water-pipe festoons the blackened and blistered wreck of what was once so grand and so gay st cloud has a normal school for the training of male teachers only i visited it but for some cause i did not make a hit in my address to the pupils until i began to speak in their own national tongue then the closest attention was paid to what i said and the keenest delight was manifest on every radiant face the president who spoke some english shook hands with me as we parted and i asked him how the students took my remarks he said they shall all the time keep the thinkness what you shall call the recollect of monsieur's speech in preserves so that they shall forget it not continual we shall all the time say we have not witnessed something like it since the time we came here and have not so much enjoy ourselves since the grand assassination by the guillotine come next winter and be with us for one week some of us will remain in the hall each time at st cloud i hired of a quiet young fellow about thirty-five years of age who kept a very neat livery stable there a sort of victoria and a big percheron horse with fetlock whiskers that reminded me of the sutherland sisters as i was in no hurry i sat on an iron settee in the cool court of the livery stable and with my arm resting on the shoulder of the proprietor i spoke of the crops and asked if generally people about there regarded the farmer movement as in any way threatening to the other two great parties 
he did not seem to know and so i watched the coachman who was to drive me as he changed his clothes in order to give me my money's worth in grandeur one thing i liked about france was that the people were willing at a slight advance on the regular price to treat a very ordinary man with unusual respect and esteem this surprised and delighted me beyond measure and i often told people there i did not begrudge the additional expense the coachman was also hostler and when the carriage was ready he altered his attire by removing a coarse grey shirt or tunic and putting on a long olive-green coachman's coat with erect linen collar and cuffs sewed into the collar and sleeves he wore a high hat that was much better than mine as is frequently the case with coachmen and their employers my coachman now gives me the silk hat when he gets through with it in the spring and fall so i am better dressed than i used to be but we were going to say a word regarding the porcelain works at sevres it is a modern building and is under government control the museum is filled with the most beautiful china dishes and funny business that one could well imagine besides the pottery ever since its construction has retained its models and they of course are worthy of a day's study the sevres blue is said to be a little bit bluer than anything else in the known world except the man who starts a nonpareil paper in a pica town i was careful not to break any of these vases and things and thus endeared myself to the foreman of the place all employees are uniformed and extremely deferential to recognized ability practically for half a day i owned the place a cattle friend of mine who was looking for a dynasty whose tail he could twist while in europe and who used often to say over our glass of vin ordinaire which i have since learned is not the best brand at all that nothing would tickle him more than to have a little deal with a crowned head and get him in the door accidentally broke a blue crock out there at sevres which wouldn't hold over a gallon and it took the best part of a carload of cows to pay for it he told me the process of making the sevres ware is not yet published in book form especially the method of coloring and enameling it is a secret possessed by duly authorized artists the name of the town is pronounced save madame pompadour is said to have been the natural daughter of a butcher which i regard as being more to her own credit than though she had been an artificial one her name was jean antoinette poisson de le monde de toile marchioness de pompadour and her name is yet used by the authorities of versailles as a fire escape so i am told she is the mistress of louis the fifteenth who never allowed her to put her hands in dishwater during the entire time she visited at his house de Troyes was her first husband but she left him for a gay but rather reprehensible life at court where she was terribly talked about though she is said not to have cared a cent she developed into a marvellous politician and early seeing that the french people were largely governed by the literary lights of that time she began to cultivate the acquaintance of the magazine writers and tried to join the authors club she then became prominent by originating a method of doing up the hair which has since grown popular among people whose hair has not like my own been already done up this style of madame pompadour's was at once popular with the young men who ran the throttles of the soda fountains of that time and is still well spoken of a young friend of mine trained his hair up from his forehead in that way once and could not get it down again during his funeral his hair which had been glued down by the undertaker became surprised at something said by the clergyman and pushed out the end of his casket 
the king tired in a few years of madame pompadour and wished that he had not encouraged her to run away from her husband she however retained her hold upon the blasé and alcoholic monarch by her wonderful versatility and genius when all her talents as an artiste and politician palled upon his old rum-soaked and emaciated brain and ennui like a mighty canker ate away large corners of his moth-eaten soul she would sit in the gloaming and sing to him hard times hard times come again no more meantime accompanying herself on the harpsichord or the sackbut or whatever they played in those days then she instituted theatricals giving through the aid of the nobility a very good version of peck's bad boy and lend me five sontime she finally lost her influence over louis the fifteenth and as he got to be an old man the thought suddenly occurred to him to reform so that he had madame pompadour beheaded at the age of forty-two years this little story should teach us that no matter how gifted we are or how high we may wear our hair our ambitions must be tempered by honour and integrity also that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a plunk end of chapter eighteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com